too many threads. There's just so much to keep track of, isn't there? Sometimes, instead of doing what I'm supposed to be doing, looking up ways to not be passive-aggressive and communicating with my fellow commune members or figuring out the right ratio of mushrooms to alcohol for my own line of reishi tinctures. I'll just lie down in my sleep hammock and gently rock and let the flood of images that I've been holding on to for the past year surge through. These flashes of images used to be debilitating to me, a signal of an oncoming panic attack. But now I just try to... Let them go without really giving it too much thought. Tiny raindrops on a smooth pink brain. Images like the guys in the E.T. suit sucking murder hornets out of a tree with their vacuum cleaner. Those wavy inflatable arm guys from Planet Fitness celebrating New Year's Eve in Times Square. The idea of a fitness planet. The idea that those guys represent fitness. The my pillow guy lurking around the White House like a Midwestern Inspector Clouseau. My bean plant that made two beans, and then I moved it to a new pot, and now it's dead. Walking by a car with its window down and a blue paper mask hanging from the rearview mirror. More masks collecting near the storm drains or swirling in with the other trash and leaves whenever the wind blows. Everything coming at us all at once all the time, and we're just here, inside, without the usual ways to express our various emotions or anxiety, it can be a lot. Now, tonight on the program, I had no idea just how much we would be getting into, but our guest has been through quite a bit. Surviving, taking stock, and moving through it, all tonight, when we sit before the giant energy vortex that provides our gateway to the deep night. Oh, friends, it's me, Dale Seaver, of course, and I'm so pleased to be with you and to serve as your newly inaugurated host guide and guru through this next hour of regrets and revelations we call The Deep Night. I hope you've got a fresh turtleneck on because this episode is going to take you places and you want to look good and smell good. Speaking of smells, we come to you tonight, as we always do, from the foul banks of the Gowanus. Our Gowani remains as radiant and gelatinous as ever. We can't help but stan. I follow the Gowanus on TikTok, and there's lots of fun to be had there. She's always so inventive and on trend. And in fact, recently, the cleanup barge that they had set up to dredge the Gowanus, which I talked about on a previous episode as being a violation, that barge has sunk. It has been reclaimed. <laughs> by the Gowanus. The Gowanus is our toxic vortex. There is no amount of engineering that can undo the hundreds of years of, of dark energy that has collected in that little canal. So good luck, scientists, but uh, 
<laughs> I think uh, strike one uh, for the Gowanus. We have a big show tonight, and I want to get right to it. I will say that, as we mentioned in this episode, now would normally be the time of year where I'm sweating about audience size and getting ready for a full weekend of shows and hobnobbing at the San Francisco Sketch Fest. Oh, I miss going out for a little sushi and wandering around Japantown in the rain, sneaking off each morning for a Queen Amon pastry and coffee to bring back to the room in the mornings, because you see they have no uh, room service, so you have to kind of uh, do your own thing. Seeing f- uh, a few comedians stumble around in the hotel lobby, you know, and then, of course, the show's such fun times out there. Maybe we'll have another chance to reminisce on a future episode. But I know that uh, SF Sketch Fest is hosting an epic night of comedy on January 30th called Festpocalypse. Uh, so if you want to join on that uh, in what seems like a completely chaotic lineup. In fact, I kind of hope that the show never happens. They just keep announcing people who are going to participate. But uh, if you want to join in on that, uh, go to sfsketchfest.com, get some tickets, see what it's all about. This would have been the 20th year of the festival, and uh, I've been to a lot of them, uh, some of those early ones, too. And, uh, boy, I wish everyone that's involved there well, and uh, maybe I'll see you in the, in the virtual VIP after party. So, yes, speaking of VIPs, I was so glad to receive an enthusiastic response in the affirmative to do this show from Liz Maupin. Liz is a comedy producer which means she puts it all together so that we can enjoy great things from terrific comedic minds. She's found success professionally producing and casting commercials for McDonald's, Spotify, Apple, and Xbox. All my favorites. And producing live comedy shows like Funnelingus and Motherland out there in Los Angeles. She produces the podcast PA Nation and short films and music videos for the likes of Open Mike Eagle and a suite of campaign ads for Bernie Sanders, who's been having a bit of a moment, isn't he, with the mittens. Liz is about as prolific and active as one can be, and I so enjoyed our conversation, which does get into some traumatic episodes and then just... It, impressively how she's been moving through that and applying her creative talents towards dealing with it and helping others who may have gone through something similar. Uh, Let's go now to my conversation with Liz Maupin. Liz Maupin, welcome to The Deep Night. Thank you so much for having me. Great fun. I'm glad we figured it out. Uh, It's great to have you here. Thank you for joining me uh, from what I understand is the desert. Yes, I am. I'm in Arizona. I love to drive. I finally got a car after almost 10 years not having one. So I I use my weekends to drive, drive, drive. (laughs) That's fantastic and probably a great activity this time. Are you are you chasing after some vortexes? Are you chasing after some energy out there? I am. Just so I am actually right outside of Sedona, and okay. through Googling, uh, I learned about the vortex. I don't know too much about it other than that it exists, and there's apparently really good energy there. So we'll yeah. see. Oh, do you yeah. know about it? Can you give me tips? <laughs> Oh, sure. You just have to be, there's there's many of them out there. I think okay. you want to be careful and know going in whether you're going to be in a sort of male energy vortex or a female energy vortex. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Some people feel great relief. Uh, some people feel charged by it. Uh, you, you'll have to be, uh, it depends on how you are open to receive the energies and to mm-hmm. give. Very cool. Yeah. 
something. <laughs> I did pass the sign, like a highway sign that was like, go down Portal Road. I was like, that sounds cool. Maybe I will go down Portal Road. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, many a good adventure has started down Portal Road. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you won't be sorry. A wild time of it. Um, now, I must ask you this before we get into it, because I ask all of my guests, and even though now I'm having some serious doubts about the whole endeavor <laughs> would you be interested in joining a commune i've started here in brooklyn hmm i would want to know more information <laughs> before agreeing to anything <laughs> sure no that's the right response that's <laughs> yeah it's uh you know it's just a kind of intentional community we all help out uh we have oh, very great. low rent and uh you know we're all friendly uh there's some people that have become a little bit a bit of a <laughs> Hassleish times gone on, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's just that New York emptied out, so I thought we could just kind of, you know, oh, smart. Uh, take advantage of the moment, and yeah. uh, now it turns out I understand why there's some rules around housing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Anyhow, let's put a pin in that. We'll see what uh -huh. happens. Uh, we do need some producers, though, which I gather is your bailiwick. Oh, yes, yes, it yeah. is. Yeah. Um, are you interested, though, in uh, communes and or cults? There's a lot of them out in Los Angeles where you normally live. I actually don't know if you know this about me, but I am a cult survivor. Um, is that, that true? I, it is true. Yeah, that's actually, wow. uh, uh, I would say my deepest trauma <laughs> uh, is well, surviving this cult. And I've been like working on a documentary about it for over a year now. Wow. Fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, well, I don't mean to make light of any of it, because certainly of that's course, a ser serious business. And uh, yes. you see a lot of that kind of thinking out there right now with people mm -hmm. going along with going along with it. Um, yes. uh, well, that, that's a fascinating project. And uh, I, I, I'm sorry for any of the uh, to stir that up. Right? No, no. Oh, listen, I, I've worked through it. I'm, I'm in a space where I can absolutely talk about it. So uh, okay. don't hesitate uh, to ask questions if you're curious. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course I am. Uh, you were you were a young person when you were involved in that. You're a young yes. person now. So I imagine. Yes. So this was um, pretty much, I would say, 2004 to 2006. I was in that time a junior, senior in high school and a little bit in college as well when all of this uh -huh. took place. Uh -huh. So, yeah, that yeah. was a while ago. Yeah. Well, you just fell in with the wrong crowd, though? I mean, you were old enough. Or was it a family thing? It was It was not my family. It was a boy I was dating and his family. And that's Ooh. kind of how it happened slowly over time through him. Yeah. yeah. And and um, that can be tricky because, of course, you got your mm -hmm. heart involved and you got oh, your yeah. love involved. Mm -hmm. um, did your parents have to extricate you from this uh, uh, situation? Was that very difficult? Uh, excellent question. So, so I did actually get extricated by my father, but it was because I was on the verge of, <laughs> I don't know how to say this. Uh, I, I ended up being hospitalized and that's how I got out. I was hospitalized for two weeks. Um, my boyfriend at the time's mother was giving me vitamin regimen and iodine drops. I was always very thin growing up. I had gotten down to 80 pounds. I wasn't sleeping. Um, I was barely eating and my father ended up coming and getting me from their home, which I was living in. And I don't even know how that came to be, but I was living there with them. And it sounds like it was a very tight uh, kind of a deal or was there many people involved? Was it a big, 
uh, organization, or so, they were just one node of a much larger nationwide effort? This is also an excellent question. So I just found out about two years ago that this is a, a global organization. It started in Ireland in the 1800s. Um, at the time, I just thought it was in Kentucky because it was like just this family and they didn't meet in church buildings. They would meet at each other's homes. And annually, they would do what they call conventions where we would drive like to a very rural part of Kentucky and there would be like hundreds of people gathering from the from the area. So until very recently, I, I thought it was just kind of a, a very local situation. I had no idea it was it was so prevalent. And with such deep roots, of course, the uh, Irish mm-hmm. uh, have a have a longstanding uh, history in that region and uh, through Appalachia mm-hmm. and all that. Um, it yeah. sounds like it's a kind of an ancient order. It is. It is. And and uh, <laughs> what's been very interesting doing this work on the documentary. Um, so the cult doesn't have a name, which makes it extremely difficult to track. Like that's why they've been able to stay hidden for so long and under the radar. Nobody really knows about them, but I've talked to over 10 ex members. Um, I started doing that like last March, pretty much when the pandemic hit, I lost my job due to the pandemic and I had already started doing research on this project and everything. So this really kicked me into gear. We had our, um, ex-member interviews. We've talked to a cult expert and yeah, it was very interesting finding out, you know, what these members would call it in their region or in their part of the world, really. Yeah. Because it's got so many different names that the cult will just deny. <laughs> it's very crazy. Wow, what a slippery enterprise that mm-hmm. is. Then. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, <laughs> you know, I've, yeah. been doing a, I've been doing a lot of reading about eels and things, and they metamorph, uh, transform uh, mm. uh, several times as they go through their life cycle, and it's very mysterious, and it sounds yes. a little similar uh, to that. <laughs> Although, yeah, but, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and what uh, what made you want to really go back to this clearly painful uh, moment to, to apply some creative pressure to it? So when I moved to L.A., that was November of 2017. I had actually been married for almost five years at the time. My marriage ended in the beginning of 2018. And really like that started a huge change in me because I, I decided to leave my marriage. It just wasn't working there. It couldn't be solved really. Um, so then I just went through this huge, huge time of personal growth. Um, and kind of through that realized I needed trauma therapy. I had gone to therapy over the years for multiple things. You know, this, like I said, that was my deepest trauma. That wasn't the only one. <laughs> so that was just <laughs> sure. like the biggest one. <laughs> right, right. So I had, you know, gone through therapy, gone through trauma therapy. And, and while I was in this therapy, like really finally digging into all this, I had discovered a video out of Australia. It was in 60 Minutes Australia. It just aired, I believe, April of 2019. And it was a piece on this cult in Australia. And that is when I found out that, oh, this thing is huge. It's nation, it's global. And and the piece talked about like the prevalent child sex abuse within the cult. So like once I found out, like, oh my God, this is not isolated, there's a lot more going on here. I felt such an urgency to do something about it. Like, you know, 
I'm not the best connected person in the world, but I do have a very good skill set. I'm a producer. Like it just, it really ate at me inside. Like, oh my God, you have to do something. So I did. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it sounds like it's going to also be productive for you personally to, yes, to move yes. through these things. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, and was the was the idea of the vitamins and all this was that part of a, just a merely control issue for them keeping you that often is, is as I understand it to be part of it from the leadership down is to keep people so that they are either kind of out of it or uh, mm -hmm. they are being reliant on someone else for their very basic uh, needs. Yes, that is what my trauma therapist said basically um, through me speaking with other people. As far as I know. That may have been the only part of this that's isolated is the use of vitamins to keep me controlled. Everyone I've spoken to has not experienced that per se, but that doesn't mean it doesn't exist, but it sure did right. in my case. Right. Well, uh, it, uh, I'm glad that everything worked out, first of all. Thank my you. goodness. Thank uh, you, yeah. that, that is uh, a serious amount of time as a young person to be involved mm -hmm. in something that yes. uh, must have been terribly scary uh, and probably mm -hmm. scarier looking back on even maybe than going through it. I don't know. Um, yeah. It, it prompts me to ask you this question. Are you, mm -hmm. uh, would you consider yourself kind of a, a seeker and someone who uh, is very uh, looking for answers from the universe, not unlike heading down Portal Road? Mm -hmm. um, I, wow, that's a good question. I think definitely at that time, yes. Like I, I can look back now and see why I was a candidate or what have you, or, or particularly vulnerable to them my home life was like very turbulent my my parents fought all the time um i didn't really have a lot of safety and security growing up and i think i found that in that boyfriend and their family like i absolutely found peace there per se yeah. just because it was it wasn't turbulent like my home life was and i didn't actually grow up religious at all my parents both of my parents um fathers were pastors so they didn't want that for us. So I grew up very curious about it because I wasn't exposed to it. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind we, of this perfect storm of of uh, conditions that really led me down that path. Yes, yes. And they, they can't be overlooked, the amount of stability that these mm -hmm. things provide. Yeah, uh, a kind absolutely. of order and, and, and structure that uh, mm -hmm. some of us are, are, are either lacking or, or looking for. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, and uh, I know that I also am a, a grandchild of a person of the cloth, person of the faith. Oh, wow. So uh, I know what that's like a little bit. And uh, mm -hmm. now I'm also a little bit of an intuitive person, or I like to mm -hmm. think that I am. And I might also suggest that, uh, and, and tell me if I'm wrong, I, I could sure. be off. Uh, this is the first time meeting you. Um, are you a Libra? Yes, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Whoa. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Wow. How did you know? <laughs> <laughs> we, we, well, here's uh, I, I listened to a, an interview with you, and uh, mm -hmm. you said you were drawn to producing because you like the um, organizing, and yeah. you like putting yeah. things together and helping mm -hmm. other people kind of lift up and rise and yes. watching as they do that. Mm -hmm. And when you said that, I thought somebody who is so into their organizing skills. <laughs> 
That's probably a Libra. And now, given what you've just told me, uh, looking for that structure, uh, you probably have a very nice home, too. You like to nest, like to keep everything together. I love my room, yes. Yes, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Got me. <laughs> I know. And see, the only reason I'm drawn to that stuff is because I'm a Libra. And All I right. know what that's what that's like. Even astrology yeah. and the signs. I love seeing mm-hmm. that somebody has laid it out for me exactly as yeah. I move through the world. It's reassuring. Mm-hmm. It is. <laughs> it really is. It's so nice. <laughs> it's so nice. It's the best sign, isn't it? It is. Can I ask when your birthday is? Uh, it is the 10th of October. I'm October 19th. Yep, right there in the middle. Yeah, mm-hmm. perfect. And as a Libra, I appreciate the 1010. It's a very glorious uh, uh, number. Yes, <laughs> that's right. Even. That's yes. wonderful. Um, well, uh, let's, let's, and I'm, I uh, fully respect and honor the space that you've, uh, what you've brought into this space Thank of the. You of your experience, uh, uh, but I also want to talk about the rest of your life. Sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a I got little, a lot more. <laughs> a little bit, but I'm fascinated, and I certainly could talk to you about that, but I also want to talk about uh, the comedy and making things, and sort of moving through that and what has gotten mm-hmm. you to this point out there, looking for vortexes <laughs> in Sedona, which is very familiar. Uh, because, uh, as you said, you grew up in Kentucky. Yes. Yes. Uh, now, that's a place uh, I only have fond memories of Kentucky. I've only been there a couple of times. Um, oh, wow. I've spent some time in a haunted honky-tonk uh, down ah. by the Lick, Licking River. Uh, no at, have, have you ever been to Bobby Mackey's? No. Oh, well. <laughs> Friend. What county is it in? Do you know? Uh, it's right across, uh, right there by Covington. It's right across the river okay. from Cincinnati. Okay. Uh, yeah. You get in there, and it's a country music star's place where he performs but they also do haunted tours in the basement oh my god and, i want to uh, go <laughs> usually led by a sullen teen so <laughs> if, if, if you need if you need yeah. some activities to do or you think boy i'm really going to let this driving thing go uh head out there uh i also spent a very quiet ride with my father-in-law down to louisville uh and mm-hmm. do the whisk the whiskey tours and all that yeah. kind of stuff sure uh he's a person that doesn't have a lot to say and even less so in a moving vehicle. Uh, <laughs> so that was okay. But my last trip to Kentucky, mm-hmm. also right there across uh, the water from Cincinnati, the river, mm-hmm. uh, I, in- I attended the Getta Festival. Are you familiar with that? I don't think so. Do you know what Getta is? It may be more uh, it northern. Sounds so. it sounds familiar. It comes in a tube. Uh, it's like a pork product that you eat <gasps> oh, for breakfast. I have only recently heard of Getta, and I've heard it so several times over the past like six months that's only like truly the holidays are a nice time uh to celebrate (laughs) and this is a place where it's just that food sold in many different many different forms uh i have the getta man here which uh, is a little stuffed (laughs) stuffed guy and they serve a getta fried rice and getta nachos i don't know if you've had this experience it sounds like maybe you maybe you have to be at an outdoor festival where you feel both unhealthy Mm -hmm. and unsafe oh yeah for sure i've gone to plenty of state fairs like yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah there's an edge of like "Mm, i better check where the exits are (laughs) 
There's doing. fun in that, though. There's fun in that. <laughs> now, as I understand it, they're growing up, and, and you had this kind of interruption, but were you on a path towards uh, something that was not comedy? Yes, um, music. I wanted to be a choir teacher. So I I knew that from like fifth grade on, and I pursued it ever since I, I had that passion, I guess. Um, I did choir competitions, um, hugely involved with singing. Um, I went to school in college for only a few months. I had to drop out part, partly due to all of that. Um, but yeah, I went to Murray State for vocal education. So I was studying to be a choir teacher. That was my original path, you could say. Uh-huh. Uh, but, so uh, not instruments, though. You weren't playing instruments, all, all singing. I can play piano by ear, but yes, it was all singing was what I was focused on. And, and then uh, it, it cut that short. And uh, uh, and that was, did that coincide with the uh, cult activity or that was after it? Yeah, that coincided. So that I went to college fall of 2005. And then like, I guess whenever I came home, I was hospitalized September of 06. So it was pretty much that whole year. You were hospitalized and then... Uh, went back to do studying or you were you got out of that situation with the cult and you were able to move on uh, from there and get out of this Kentucky entirely? So after I got out of the hospital, I ended up working at Starbucks um, for quite a while. Um, and I, I will say not not to keep getting into the sad stuff, but like I was hospitalized September of 06 and got in a head on collision May of 07. So then I was on crutches, couldn't walk for quite some time. Actually, had to relearn how to walk. Uh, fall of '07. Oh my goodness, Liz, uh, that's so intense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I hope that comedy comes in at some point for you. Oh my God, eventually, yeah. <laughs> uh, so that was, yeah. So that was '07. Also, terrible year. <laughs> um, I met my ex-husband probably around 08, 09. We started dating 2010. I moved to Louisville. So I was in um, Frankfurt and Lexington through all yes. that. Um, moved to Louisville with him. We get engaged 2012. Also got cancer that year. So I had cancer in 2012. Uh, that's unbelievable. You can't. You can't. I, I, it happened. <laughs> so I got cancer 2012, like truly January was when I found the lump in my neck. And then like December was when I was like finally cleared. We got married, um, April of 2013 and then moved to Chicago two weeks later. So I had still been like searching, searching, searching for my new passion. Cause I was very, very heartbroken about the fact that I did not get to continue pursuing music. And that was like, I never had a backup plan. That was, that was it for me. That was all I wanted to do. Right. So I, I, you know, I worked at Starbucks for years. I was like, I don't know, maybe I'll just do this. Like I didn't know I couldn't find yep. anything. Uh, and were you good at Starbucks? I was, yeah, I got promoted a couple times. I was like <laughs> on the path to become like an assistant manager. And then Actually, I got my first desk job from a customer at Starbucks because she liked me so much. She was like, do you want a different job? And I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it sounds pretty good at it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Again, a great structure, uh, great kind structure. of a, a good uh, uh, system that they have mm -hmm. in place for you. Yeah, um, they did. Great insurance, in yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's important for everything I you're was, going through. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Oh, 
Liz, my heart just goes out to you. This Thanks. is uh, this, that's like a decade of real. Yes, I, I'm assuming things get better. Things, I mean, that things got better. Like truly, when I, I mean, things got better when I met my ex. But like truly, when I moved to Chicago, like that first year, I had an internship which I loved. It was at this company called Jelly Vision. They also um, make those you don't know Jack, those Jackbox games. So that was like really, I would say my first real job, like in any sort of career sense, like I was um, not to discount anyone who works retail, like that shit is hard and it sucked. And I just hated it. I did it for so long. Um, And yeah, so I worked there. It was a project management internship. So again, like scheduling structure, like organizing, like that's what it was. Didn't get hired on after the internship, which like truly broke my heart because I really loved that place. And, you know, I, I was definitely the oldest intern. I think I was I was 26, I think, or 20. Like I, the other girls were out of college, but like they liked my cover letter so much. They're like, yeah, we're going to give you a shot. And I'm so glad they did. Um, And then when I, I got <laughs> the news in October that I, that I didn't like get hired on. So I had a couple months in between jobs. And during that time, like the whole reason we went to Chicago is because my ex wanted to take comedy seriously. He's a comedian. He did stand up. Yeah. And that was, he was like, we got to go do this thing. And I was like, yeah, I'll do it. I'm not doing anything here in Kentucky. Let's go. So, um, <laughs> and at the I, time, I would, sorry to interrupt, sure. but, uh, Usually people caution, uh, like the worst thing you could do is marry a comedian, but I think <laughs> comparatively <laughs> that probably seemed yeah, like oh a good God. idea. <laughs> Walk in the damn park compared to what I've done. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, yeah. So in between jobs, like I, he was running a show with his friend Tyler, um, called late, late breakfast. And it was a unique comedy show where they had, um, comedians play games during their standup set. So like, one set, we had a guy flying a kite outside. We took the entire audience outside while this comedian delivered his jokes while he was flying a kite. So like I, I had recognized like, oh, this is a different show. Like this is different than what Danny normally does like in stand-up comedy. It's different than a normal bar show. Right. So I was like, well, I, I don't have a job, so I will focus on promoting this because I think it deserves promotion. So and I made uh, sorry, sorry again, interrupt. Yeah, but sure. uh, Ch- Chicago at that time, uh, mm-hmm. uh, full of, uh, I imagine, and still, uh, I hope, uh, a really uh, dynamic, weird, uh, yes. underground sort of DIY, oh, great yeah. basement comedy. We're talking about Sarah uh, Squirm, uh, yeah. Mike Stalter. Uh, yeah, uh, that kind of activity was happening. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. I ended up producing a few shows for Megan Stalter. Like she was so much fun to work with. Um, So she was coming up while I was living there. Um, And this show that we were running was at the hideout, which like ended up through the years while I was there growing into a venue for comedy. So it was like really cool to be a part of that. Yes. Um, When I did, uh, when I was part of the comedy festival in Chicago, it was uh, 2001 and Mm -hmm. uh, Judy Tenuta and Don Rickles were headlining. Uh, In case you (laughs) thought I was a young person. (laughs) (laughs) But we had fun. Uh, It was uh, kind of a wild time of it. And uh, I always liked that festival. Um, And I, of course, I like Chicago and have been there. But uh, the the energy that was happening around the time you were there uh, seemed like an incredible time to, to be there. Um, yes. Just terrific stuff. And one of the things that struck me, because I heard you talk a little bit about this, was that mm-hmm. you you wanted to do the producing because you realized that 
It just needed a sign on stage of what the show yeah. was. <laughs> yeah, that's like exactly what I spent time doing. I was like, oh, I'm going to make them a stage sign because like I had identified like what the marks of were successful shows. I was like, oh, they could use one of those. <laughs> See, I love that. I love that because in all my years, I don't know if I've ever seen a sign on stage <laughs> telling you. <laughs> <laughs> what the what the show is, uh, that's but so that's funny. a really good idea, and now I want one. Yeah, I recommend it. I, I <laughs> wouldn't be here today if I didn't make that stage sign, honestly. <laughs> but there's something really true about that, and again, mm -hmm. back to the kind of like, whether it's Libra perspective or just who you are mm -hmm. as a person, but to say, what is this thing? Tell me what this thing is. Get me the, not quite the brand of it, but Tell me mm -hmm. what its perspective is. So, yeah. Right as an audience member, right off, I know what I'm going to see. Even if what mm -hmm. I'm going to see is wild and people flying kites and people in, mm -hmm. you know, uh, meat outfits or whatever, that, that <laughs> you, you at least have some kind of container for it. And yes. that's a, a really important thing that a producer's eye can bring to it, isn't mm -hmm. it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's something yes. I haven't been able to figure out. <laughs> Well, that's I've been why doing I'm it for beneficial. so long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I and I don't. Sometimes I don't know really why I'm doing it anymore after all this time. <laughs> Other than, especially during the pandemic, it gives me an opportunity mm -hmm. to talk uh, to yeah. someone. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I get that. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, so you're you're catching some heat. You're doing some things in uh, yes. Chicago. It feels mm -hmm. great. Um, and then. Um, things start to head south or you have the opportunity to go to LA or that's caught up in divorce stuff or, or what? So it is a little bit caught up in it. So, so I had kind of like at this point, I would say 2000, I don't know, 16 ish around there. I was like already now producing in my, in my day job. Like I got, I was producing for McDonald's. I did a commercial for Mike's Hard Lemonade with comedians. Like I was already doing that because it it worked and I was good at what I did. So I was able to like leverage my comedy producing work into the marketing world that I had like done throughout the day. So I did project management and then like realized, oh, it's the same exact skill set. So I want to, I want my title. I want to get paid to be a producer. So I did. And, and that's um, the that's the leap from stage to video. Not yet. No. Okay. So, well, uh, yes, I mean, the, the, the Mike's hard, the Mike's hard spot was video, although I had a, just a very small role in that. I would not say that I produced that, but I helped cast comedians for it. But the, the video work really happened when I got to LA, but I, I knew like we had shot a late, late breakfast pilot. So we raised money on Kickstarter, got over $10,000 because the show was taking off. And like, I knew it could be good for TV. And, um, once I shot that pilot, once I had organized all that, that's when I knew like, this is the thing that I had been searching for after music like this, that finally I found my thing. And not that music's not still a thing for me because it very much is. Um, but I was so happy to have a passion and something I was good at and something I really enjoyed doing and it was working like it, there was tangible evidence that what i was doing was working so how, how did yeah. that register for you uh, either physically or emotionally were you able to oh just take stock of that and say oh it's totally different now yeah true like truly it was it was maybe it was either like during the filming of the pilot like that day or like that night i was like oh my god i 
just pulled off the impossible. Like I'm not somebody who had ever shot a pilot before. Like I'd, I'd never done any of that. And I just figured it out. And it was a lot of work. It was hard, hard work. And like to be able to pull it off, like I, we had comedians, I'll never forget it. It was Julia Rossi. Um, She and Will Miles were both on the show and she came up to me like during, during the, the day that we were shooting it. And she goes, I just want to say like, I've done TV. This is the most smoothly run thing I've ever been a part of. And like that, I'll never forget that because like it meant the yeah. world to me because she had done t- plenty of TV and like, yeah, that happened because of me. <laughs> like that was like <laughs> such a proud moment of like, oh my God, I'm doing it. Yeah, and then she, like, yeah. She's like, great we, too. She's great. She's so great. I love her and Will. Yeah. Oh my God, they're wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so and yeah, it's it, important it really that, did that when people are supportive, I like to call them yeah. out. And- <laughs> absolutely absolutely more of that yes Yes. so yeah like once Uh, once once we got a we got a sizzle reel together the pilot um our friend toby passed it on along to his manager who was out in la and he's like this is one of the best things i've ever seen i was like oh my god and then uh through that like i got an agent a manager we had Hannibal Burris signed on um, as an executive producer. We had Broadway Video, which is Lord Michael's production company. It's that logo you see at the end of SNL. They were all signed on sure. to do it. We were just waiting for the shopping agreement. And then as Hollywood goes, it all, it didn't happen. But like, Poof. I was like, yeah. we're this close from Chicago. I got to move to LA. Like it's <laughs> working. So like truly like a month after it fell apart was when I was like, I, I got to move. I got it. I want to do more of this. And I yeah. knew that that happened in LA. Yeah. And you have done a lot of it. I mean, I I'm think trying. <laughs> because you're one of uh, these people who, um, I don't exactly know when I first heard of your name, mm-hmm. but I knew that mm-hmm. it was somewhat ubiquitous and associated with a great product and that you, you were uh, really, you know, involved in things with people that I know yeah. and uh, I'm excited to see uh, succeed. Mm-hmm. And so th- that was really behind reaching out. So, yes, you have done uh, uh, so so much of that. And uh, congratulations you. on all the good work that you've done. That really means I, a lot to me. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Now, I also gather your friends with uh, 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 Demi and Addie. Yes, yes. yes. Demi is and were you... one of my nearest and dearest. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, and... Uh, Addie was on the show and just fantastic. And I was mm-hmm. uh, She's great. charmed by her story and her kind of just wide-eyedness and taking it on yeah, from a young absolutely. age. It's, yeah. it's inspiring to me. And, you know. Oh, yeah. And she has such a great energy. Like, it's hard to not want to be around that. She's so much fun. Yeah, yeah. And so I gather you were at, once Biden won, these two had a great celebration yeah. at a gas station. Yes, Tell me what was that there. was like. That was amazing. So like, we were all, of course, like texting each other, like, oh, this is, it it actually happened. And uh, like in our group chat, Demi was like, I don't know, I'm just going to like go down the street and find something. He had like heard that there was um, a parade or something in Los Feliz. And then I think he and Addie connected. They're like, I don't know, let's go to the gas station. (laughs) So when I got there, I actually like, there was a lot of people and I couldn't immediately locate them with my eyes. And it's because they were on top of the car. And I didn't immediately realize that. So I was like, (laughs) eyes ground level. Where are they? Oh, they're up there. Of course. Of course they are. (laughs) And so they were on top of a white Prius at this gas station, uh, dancing for, I don't know, hours? Hours. Hours. hours, They were there. Oh, like till dark. Yeah. They were there all day. (laughs) The stamina that those two have is really impressive. 
the the stamina, the talent, and mm-hmm. that like we're talking about that infectiousness that they have. Oh, that they absolutely, bring to unmatched, everything. unmatched. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's great that you can be sort of part of that scene. Is yeah, as well. they're wonderful. <laughs> I actually love like the way the way that Demi and I started working together. I think is a very cute story. If we have time. It's very short, I think. Sure, sure, yeah. Um, so Undoubtedly, it'll cut out at exactly the most important part. I so. know, of course. <laughs> uh, so Demi and I met, like, December of 2019. Um, I had gone to his uh, one of his shows, The Dynasty Typewriters. So his producer, Eric Abras, who's a wonderful guy, he and I were talking on Instagram, and he's like, you should come check out the show. I'll give you a ticket. And I was like, yeah, I'd love to. <laughs> So I went and like, that was when I met Demi first. He came to my New Year's party later that year. But then like in January, he reached out. He's like, hey, I kind of have like an idea for a project. Would you want to get brunch and talk about it? I was like, oh, I would love to. I'm like so impressed by you. So we had brunch and he like kind of told me about an idea he had. About an hour after brunch, he called me. I remember I was in a Target like shopping or something. He's like, hey, so I actually just got a call about a shoot that's going to happen this weekend in Utah, and we need a producer. Do you want to do it? And I was like, yes. And I was like, I, uh, okay. <laughs> like, I should have normally been like, I don't know, I need more details. Like, <laughs> Utah in a week, what are we going to do? But I was like, yeah, sure, I'm game. I'm, let's do it. And then, like, I think two days later, we met with director Robert Funky, who did um, On Becoming a God in Central Florida. He was a director. We met at... Um, House of Pies, which I love and I, I dearly miss House of Pies. Terrific. Great restaurant. I like, oh, love it. Yep. Yep. We met there. We hashed everything out. I called my friend Erin. I was like, we need someone to shoot this. Do you want to go to Utah in three days at this point? She's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> so then like truly, like I, I did not expect after that brunch to be in Utah with Demi shooting at Ted Levine's house on a ranch in the middle of nowhere shooting spots for Bernie Sanders. I was like, this is the life. Like, this is awesome. <laughs> And then like pretty much from then on, we're, yeah, oh, absolutely. And then that was another one of those moments where I was like, if I can do this, if I can do an outdoor shoot out of state with days of planning, like I really think I can do pretty much anything I put my mind to. Like it was really another one of those like pilot moments of, oh, I am good at this. We're like, Demi's on a horse. Like I've never shot with animals, <laughs> but like we did it. So that was great. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true, and I watch them. They're 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 fantastic. Oh, uh, so much fun! They, they, just uh, it's exciting to be a part of it, and it's yeah. exciting when you can both be the person responding to the call, when you can mm-hmm. make the call, when you can all get together, and, yeah. and just go out and do that, and to do it during a pandemic. Yeah, those spots were like truly like just weeks before, like mere weeks before the lockdown. But yeah, we yeah. have made a couple things during the pandemic. Yeah, you've been able to stay active. And then, mm-hmm. uh, uh, that's right. Well, uh, what kind of pie did you have or what would be your go-to? <laughs> Cheesecake, honestly. Cheesecake's my favorite. Yeah, okay. Coconut cream for me. But I, I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's, uh, that's great. And uh, with when you talk about having uh, music is still a big part uh, for yes. you, Do you st- how does that uh, uh appear in your life are you still singing are you part of a choir do do you do you instruct people oh i'm not part of a choir but that sounds really nice and i'm gonna look into that actually (laughs) that sounds really lovely um so i've started taking piano lessons because i i want theory training i never had music theory training again i think i said earlier like i could play piano by ear but i would love to be able to sit down 
look at a sheet of music and, and play. Sight reading was never my strong suit. So I've been taking piano lessons from my friend Nick Jester virtually um, every week. So I've been doing that for a while now. And then also like I just, God, I really appreciate listening to music. Like I love 70s music, soul music, funk. Like I just really... I don't know. I get into that. I love talking about it. Like that's kind of what I do on my Instagram stories. It's a wonder that people have not like mass unfollowed me because I'm probably a little annoying about it. Cause I'm like, you guys got to hear this song. So I like to talk about it. Um, I've thought a few times about starting a music podcast. I don't have the bandwidth at all to do that, but, um, yeah, lit- literally, the Wi-Fi there, you might need to get a booster. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, yeah. And then like I started the things I produced with Demi during the pandemic for music videos. I'd never done that before. And right. oh my God, it was so satisfying. I love yeah. that. You got a little PFT in there, right? <laughs> yes. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, meeting him was so much fun. Like he, you know, obviously he's a legend and he had actually thought we had worked together before. He's like, now Liz, when did we work together before? And I was like, I don't, I really don't think we did. Cause like, I would remember that. Yeah. He's like, are you sure? And I was like, I'm pretty sure we've never worked together before. <laughs> But, but I didn't want to like gaslight him, but I'm like, no, we actually haven't. Yeah. <laughs> I would certainly I, remember. His <laughs> uh, wonderful wife, Janie, has been on the show. Um, but Paul, I, for years around this time, for mm-hmm. the last eight years or so, I would go out to Sketchfest in San Francisco. Yeah. And Paul and I, I would always stay at the hotel where all the comics stay because, mm-hmm. you know, I'm doing a show, so why not? Uh, and yeah. I, I have been in the elevator with Paul <gasps> at least four or five times. <laughs> and i've never had no i've never had no. the nerve to say even though yeah. i imagine we have a great deal in common and i so bet you do the last year i thought i'm just gonna say hello this is ridiculous come on yeah. you're a grown man <laughs> just what's the worst that can happen yeah. and i happened to there's a little spot where i like to get treats and i was walking back up the hill and i saw him outside and he was uh-huh. in a tuxedo and i'm telling you he was so frantic. It was clear that he was <laughs> running late and yeah. that were, and the Uber wasn't there. And oh, I just no. thought, this is not, not the moment. The time. It's not this the time. This is not the yeah. time. Uh, so uh, we uh, remain at a distance. Yeah. But uh, sometimes that's for the best. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you, that may not have been a good interaction had it happened. So no, yeah. uh, no. Um, well, it's uh, it, it's it's terrific that you are able to to work with these great people uh, and yeah, I so feel many. Very honored. What titans you have lined up there? Um, <laughs> what kind of comedy do you hope to see or be a part of as things uh, hopefully open up or as you move into this new year? Hmm, I've never been asked that before. <laughs> what kind of comedy would I like to be a part of? That's ooh. I mean, I always have loved the weirder side of comedy like that. I mean, that was how I started in it. That's always what I've leaned towards, like working with Meg Stalter and others. Like I, I kind of love that. And I, I often say, cause I do want to work in TV. Like that is one of my big goals is like finally produce on a TV show. And I want more weird. I loved, um, review with Andy Daly. I thought it was a fantastic show. Very oh short lived, which is a bummer. That show is so <laughs> that's it was brilliant. As close to perfect as you're gonna get, I think, Absolutely. on the show. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. and Nathan for you is great. And you know, I yeah. I love that kind of comedy where it is personal in a way, but not in like a an annoying or grating way. Like it's still genuine, but it's bizarre. And like I I don't know, I want 
I don't want to squirm necessarily, but like, I don't know. I just want something to be real and to be funny. I think like search party is actually one of the funniest things on TV right now, which is great because truly I think a lot of comedies aren't very funny. And I think that's a bummer. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it is. I um, think somebody I would love to work with is Connor O'Malley. Oh my God. Huge fan of Connor O'Malley. Yeah. Love, yeah. I love his stuff, but he doesn't need me. He has a GoPro. Like he doesn't need me, but like I would kill to work for him one day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, you gotta be, you gotta be uh, up for it. I think. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm freaking down. I mean, and it sounds like you are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's terrific. Um, uh, well, good. I hope some of those things work out, and I bet they will. Uh, <laughs> finding some of these uh, places where they kind of create their own universe or world um, and getting a chance to play around in one of those would be fantastic, mm -hmm. uh, I'm sure. Um, well, uh, I really thank you for, for joining me here tonight. I know we could keep going, Liz. We could. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and there's so much to it and so many layers to it. Um, mm -hmm. But I'm glad that uh, I'm glad things worked out. My goodness. Thank you. Um, Me that too. That you were able to see it through and that you're able to look back with a distance and uh, apply some of the talents that you've accumulated and mm -hmm. maybe had all along uh, to, to, to pushing this forward on a personal level, but also Thank probably you. something that will be warmly received out there in the universe. Yeah. I just, I mean, a huge driver in me working on that project is is really to provide resources for others because it's again, like there's no name, like there's so little information out there. Like the healing that I came to is what I want for other people. So, so I'm hoping to be a tiny part in that for, for people in the future. Yeah. Well, I think you're on your way. Uh, and uh, Liz, I wish you a uh, great success with all of these endeavors and, and abundance in the year ahead. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me and offering me the space to talk. <laughs> Thank you. Of course. Thank you. Oh, my goodness. An inspiration she is. I'm so thankful to Liz Maupin for joining me and sharing a bit about all her experiences. Keep going, folks. Keep going. For more on Liz, visit her website, lizmoppin.com. And uh, now that some things are tilting in the right direction, we may do some more live shows. I know none of you have asked, but <laughs> what the heck? Maybe we can dust off the old cameras and expensive streaming gear I bought last year, and we can figure something out. Watch this space for info on that and uh, when and if that might be happening. Otherwise, Galinda's insisting that she's got some kind of pine sap that's just as effective as any uh, government-mandated vaccine, so dinnertime conversations at my place have been pretty interesting. I'm ready to get a shot just as soon as they figure out how to make those needles smaller. <laughs> oh, well, folks, till next time, remember that although this night is ending, a bright new day is just ahead. Deep Night with Dale is produced and performed by James Bewley. Season theme song by Mariam Cadus of Space Moth. Season podcast icon by Philippa Beleza. Incidental music heard throughout the program by the talented roster at Howler Hills Farm in Ohio. Remember to rate and review the program on Apple Podcasts or tune in and stream the show on Spotify, SoundCloud, Pandora, or Stitcher, wherever you find fine audio content. To see any of our live shows or other short videos, visit our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Dale Radio, and follow us on Instagram at Dale Seaver is the handle. 
Thanks again for listening, and remember this season to keep your portals open and at a safe distance.